this is Property Matters, a weekly catch-up on all matters property, supported by Fairview International Property Consultancy and auctionproperty.co.uk. And we're live every Sunday from 10am on YouTube, Facebook and our website, propertymatterstv.co.uk. If you're watching on the website, don't forget that Google review button. Leave us a review there if you would. And you can also leave your comments where you're watching us today, just in the comments section below. And if you'd like to email, it's hello at propertymatterstv.co.uk. You can also find Property Matters as a podcast every Monday at 10 a.m., one day after the live broadcast on the Sunday. And also you can find us live on a Monday on Dilsa Radio as well. Let's take a look at the property news with our property expert, Joe Joshi. Hi, Joe. Hello, Paul. Hello, listeners and viewers. Uh, good morning. I'm hoping you have a good week. And um, yeah, the stories in property continue, always varied and always interesting. And always variations on the same theme, which is bad news at the moment, I think. Well, we have had two years of good news, of course, on property matters. I suppose you have to take the rough with the smooth. Um, and I wanted to talk about something that we haven't talked about for quite a while, Joe, and that is commercial property, and, and more generally rather than the story here. But I will just tell people the, the gist of the story before we get into the discussion about it. But this is from Sirius Property Finance who've analysed UK commercial property investment over the past six months and compared it directly to the investment over the six preceding months. Research found that in terms of money invested in commercial property, the biggest decline has been seen um, in the industrial sector falling by 55% no less. And in the last six months, 2.9 billion has been invested down from 6.9 billion from the six months before that. Office space also declined by 55% in the past six months, driven by a 63% drop in investment outside of London. Despite this, office space still is receiving the highest amount of total investment at 3.8 billion. Meanwhile, retail and leisure has declined by 45%, with a 75% drop in shopping centre investment, followed closely by a 74% fall in leisure investment. In terms of the number of transactions, offices have seen the sharpest decline, falling by 44%, driven by a 64% drop in central London. So it's pretty devastating what's happening in commercial property. And it wasn't long ago that we were saying that it was a smart person that was moving out of um, buy-to-lets and looking at potentially commercial investment. So... I think there's some probably obvious reasons what's going on, John, uh, John <laughs> Joe, but would you like to sort of summarise that for us? Commercial property has, it's always a quiet little um, area that does, doesn't always see the highlights because, it, you know, residential property, uh, home buying always is the one that's in the spotlight for whatever reason, consider it for buy to let, um, first time buyer homes, et cetera, et cetera. But commercial is... Um, not so much an elite, but it's it's seen as like a next step up. It's the investors, it's people who've got money who are looking to invest in commercial so that they can rent it out to uh, industrial, um, retail, leisure, etc., etc., offices and so forth. But of course, you know, since the pandemic, we've seen that lots of things have changed, not just within the, you know, the, the race for space subject that we covered for the whole couple of years, practically for, through, uh, through lockdown. But also the the situation, the the effect that it's had, that that pandemic had on commercial property, for example, um, <clears throat> the retail sector is is really um, on a decline, mostly because a lot of things went online. So there's a lot more depots, there's a lot more uh, distribution centres, and a lot more online shopping that went on. So of course the retail sector started to have its uh, shops and so forth started to close, and that meant that people didn't think it was as good an investment, though 
you know, it has certain other quirkinesses about it that, that could make it a good investment. But certainly high street locations started to cause a problem. They started closing a lot. A lot of, if you look around, you know, um, the UK, a lot of the town centres, a lot of the shopping centres, a lot of the secondary shopping centres, not even the main, but in most cases, the main shopping centres were all on decline because everybody was, you know, they just couldn't sell. The, the, the rental was going up. There was no people visiting to them. Uh, through lockdown, it was restricted to how many people could come into a shop, etc., etc. And all of those things made a huge difference in why why people wanted to perhaps not invest as much as they did. Um, the second part of that is, of course, the the whole infrastructure changed. So whilst people were, you know, having goods taken to a shop, for argument's sake, and that shop was then selling to the public, so it's a B two B and then a B two C situation. Um, it's now, in some cases, almost been online, so B2C directly. So, you know, the shop people in the middle have been cut out, um, as have perhaps more warehouses, industrial estates. And though the office market is still getting a little bit more investment, the office space available is huge, primarily because, you know, working from home started to come in. Um, so certain people were not going into work and saying, OK, I'm going to work from home. And there was surplus of office space for which they were paying rates and rent. And subsequently, that meant that, you know, it was time for them to go. And also under permitted development rights, which the government brought in, it allowed a conversion of office space into residential. So there was a lot of conversion. So there was an opportunity for people that owned offices to perhaps, you know, jump out of that market, let the residentials take over and ended up having flats that were perhaps, you know, not always normal size lots and lots of flats squeezed into a block because under permitted rights, they weren't governed as to what the minimum square footage had to be um, of a flat. So there was there was a whole bunch of reasons in the background that probably never came to the foreground, primarily because it was an everyday subject. Commercial property is a investment subject to a large extent. People buy um, and they come out of the rental. And the reason why we talked about it coming out of the buy to rent and being smart going to the commercial side is that the buy to let, as you know, has become unpopular for many reasons. We've discussed it millions of times over our shows now on, on you know, why the government's made that almost, you know, not attractive at all for anyone to want to uh, invest in a buy to let, though there is the capital gain that could happen. But of course, at the moment, the return on investment the yield return against the borrowing and to the value and to the rent, it just doesn't make the numbers. And so that's where they've had the situation where um, commercial was doing it, but even commercial has now began to, you know, um, wane away because it's, I suppose it's a bit behind. The residential had its effect and now we're beginning to see that effect follow in the commercial sector. Yeah, there's been some big changes, hasn't there? I mean, if you think about, and I think of some of my clients, for example, they've moved from traditional offices where they had their own receptionist on the front desk and everybody had a desk, it was allocated a desk. They've now moved to smaller premises whereby the people have the option to work from home. They can book a desk if they want to come in, so it's a hot desk situation. The building has its own 
receptionist who works for the other clients in the building as well. So there is a receptionist for three or four different businesses in the same building. Uh, and she handles all the things that the receptionist used to do at the old place just for them. So they've managed to make a saving, I suspect, there. Um, and then they've just got these fantastic offices with all these uh, interactive whiteboards in and uh, Microsoft Teams all set up. So you walk in, the screen recognises your face and it logs you into your account on the screen the moment you walk in the room, if you've booked the room. It's really quite clever. And of course, a lot of the uh, investment that's happened in this, in the much in the same way that we now have these trendy student living places whereby everything is provided inside you've got gyms in the basement and that kind of thing and, and, and a restaurant facilities all provided everything's um, nice and simple there's been a kind of revolution quietly going on and that's happened I think particularly due to the pan pandemic because those commercial property landlords that realized they were facing uh, an abyss have invested and invested in the things that these building these companies need in their buildings which is flexibility Yes, and that's what I'm saying. Those those scenarios we've all gone through have created those changes, but we're just in the commercial. We're a little bit behind because obviously people were waiting to see what the results of these uh, the, the pandemic was going to be, whether people were going to come back to offices, um, and and some are. There are now more and more people want to go back because obviously there are other issues, uh, mental health being an underlying issue at the moment, where people have been isolated, working from home don't feel that yeah, they, they need to be with other people. So it's been a bit of a slow process to get there, but that's that's the catch up from a residential to commercial. It's probably in this case, a couple of years behind, but it's taken those few years to actually recognize that you know, that change has happened and it's probably not gonna get reversed. Whereas there was the hope that it might get reversed and people might start to say, well, actually, you know, I've had enough, I want to go to work. So the companies hadn't disposed of it and investors has not invested in in it because now you can see clearly that there is a decline. It's interesting, isn't it, that there's a decline in the industrial units as well? Because, as you rightly said at the beginning, there has been a uh, desire to expand the online delivery process, and therefore bigger and bigger warehouses have been built. But I'm guessing, as these are figures for the last six months, perhaps much of that warehouse building and development has gone on prior now and therefore that work has stopped and therefore this is why this last six months perhaps hasn't been as uh, as productive as the previous year maybe yeah i mean the warehouses and I, I only this this week i've had you know dealings with the commercial warehouse aspect of it and it's quite interesting what is available and what is expensive and where it is so obviously the further you go out the the lesser the uh, pounds per square foot availability is um, whereas if you're closer to a main hub, for example, if you're closer to Heathrow or a port or, or anywhere where goods are coming in and, you know, accessibility is important, those places, you know, the rates are really, really high. In fact, in some cases, they're almost over double for what they would be in a, in a, a wider area. So it's been interesting, but there is spaces available and there are flexible terms and deals that can be done which were not there and in a previous world because it was hard and fast. I'm going to do this, this is how much the lease is going to be, this is the rent, take it or leave it. But there seems to be a little bit more flexibility in the marketplace, which clearly shows that you know, there is, they've got stock lying around and they need to try and let it. Um, is, and that's the hardest part. The letting part is the, is the you know, they're not going to do a year or two year letting because the cost of refitting and putting somebody in and redoing it and taking it out 
is exorbitant, really. Um, mm. So they want five, six, ten years, and you don't even know if that business is going to survive that level. Well, that is that is one of the benefits, I suppose, of commercial investment in in property is that generally you do get a tenure that's longer than the average, which is what something like eighteen months on buy to let. So, yep. but then again, of course, if you have the company not make the success, depends on the size of the unit. I suppose if it's small units, there is a risk. But if it's a bigger company, perhaps they might have more longevity. But um, despite the fact you get a longer tenure, is it a brave man that gets involved in commercial property at the moment? Yes, it is. But at the same time, it's like anything, isn't it, Paul? I mean, this is the, this is the time when things are on the on the decline. This is the time for cash is king. This is the time for somebody who has the amount to be able to say, OK, well, uh, you know, I'll take that gamble. Um, obviously, the, the other the other aspect of, of the gamble is, you know, what is safe? You know, there was a time, for example, you you know, it's a bit like your parents saying you've got to be a, you know, a, a scientist or a, or, a, or a doctor, an accountant or an engineer, these people have got jobs for life. But the question then came, have they got a job for life? And, and then when investment comes, we would say, OK, well, this is a bank investment. You know, banks aren't going anywhere. Um, this is a post office. Investment. They're not going anywhere. Um, and this is Marks and Spencer's. They're not going anywhere. This is Tesco. They're not. These are big brands, big names. However, we know that that is not the case anymore. They know that as soon as the bank's lease is up on a village uh, bank, they're shutting it down because they don't want to have that committed. So the question you have to ask is, you know, are they still a good investment? Are banks a good investment? Forget about you and me as an investment. Are banks a good investment? The answer is probably no, because you don't know at what point you think that you've bought a, a bank show, uh, as a tenant, producing a good return on your, on your investment. But the minute the lease is up or the break clause comes into the lease, they'll exercise it and be off. And then you could be holding a baby. You could be in a property that you bought at a price producing a certain investment, but that investment has decided that it no longer wants to be there. And by just doing that, you know, it's knocked your price right down. So, yeah, you've got to be very careful. But at the same time, cash is king. It is interesting, isn't it, how the after effects, the aftermath of the pandemic is changing so much of what we know as sort of rock steady knowledge in our world. Um, and, and this is a great example whereby, you know, some people saw the opportunity to rethink the whole thing, such as some of these more forward thinking commercial landlords. Now they have these really dynamic um, in, in opportunities for commercial investment, um, where they, as I was saying earlier, where they where they put in all the facilities, and and you know everybody hot desks, and you can book it from an app um, to go into work if you need to. Otherwise, you work from home, and you know we we had no idea that that was even going to be something that was going to be available prior to the pandemic. So it's and and the more I look across life in general, the more I see that a whole of Pre preconceived thinking has been thrown up in the air and it's all come down in a different order. Absolutely. When you think about um, hot desking, for example, or or um, looking at uh, different ways to invest, I mean, you know, who would have thought that you could buy a tail or a leg or a hoof of a horse? Um, and yet now um, there, there are people in consortiums getting together because nobody, not one person wants to invest in it. They're, inviting lots of people into the same thing and it's the same as whiskey for argument's sake you know uh, we all like a little tipple of the old whiskey here and there but there was a time when nobody wanted to know about that but now 
you can have you know investment in whiskey because people are doing things in what we call bite-sized pieces and there's more of it and lesser risk so the spread the, the risk has been spread and that is also becoming the same thing in, in commercial property in some some ways because people are thinking well actually i'm going to be putting you know one and a half two three four five million pound in this you know some of it's going to be the bank some of it's going to be me and my mates and some of it's going to be you know xyz so you've got to you've got to think about it. even even the best formula that has had the most success john lewis partnership has had to rethink its strategy where they think that you know maybe that's not the way i mean big stores in uh, oxford street which was almost a taboo you just want first thing it was hard to get into oxford street and now you know those big companies are, are shutting their big stores down because their customers are getting things delivered to the house um, as opposed to being there. So they don't need um, a massive great store um, in, in the middle of Oxford Street or Regent Street or wherever it is. They're rethinking their whole strategy and looking at maybe lots of little units or what I call bite-sized businesses. Indeed, let's move on to our next topic. And again, this is a more general um, conversation because we haven't talked about repossessions and obviously we're talking about interest rates rates going up uh, and up and up and up and we're talking about potentially moving up to as far as five percent very shortly perhaps potentially and uh, the research here this week has revealed that the number of homes being repossessed across the property market in England Wales remains largely static since interest rates started to climb. So this is a surprise. House Buyers Bureau analysed government data which shows that some 3,219 homes were repossessed between December 21 and December 22, a marginal 0.4% increase when compared to November 2020 to 2021, prior to the first Bank of England interest rate hike. In the east of England, just 59 homes have been repossessed since December 2021, a drop of 46% versus the same period prior. Uh, across the London property market, uh, repossessions have fallen by 18%, while the southeast is down 12, down 3.9 in the southwest, the northeast down 1.1, northwest 0.7. Uh, they've all, all seen uh, reductions. So, despite the fact that everyone's finding it harder and harder to meet these increasing mortgage payments and all these people that are coming out of fixed rates and having to, to remortgage, it doesn't seem to be that they're losing properties. Now, I wonder whether this is the fact that people are somehow finding the money or whether it's the banks being a little bit more prudent about whether they throw people out or not. Yes, yeah, a good subject to bring up, Paul, and it's an interesting one because you know, one does think that um, there should be an influx of, of, uh, of properties that are in possession. But there are a number of things that I believe, and I'm not saying that I'm the expert on this one, but I, I believe are making this happen the way it is and that is number one i've always believed that most people in their minds have always been being prepared for the interest rate hike perhaps not at the speed it's gone at but you know the, i have had many conversations and most people have said genuinely you know it's not a surprise they were really low for a long long time um but yeah i'm not surprised that the interest rates have gone up i think the bit that uh, has been a, a problem for us is the utilities that is where the problem comes the utilities have got to stupid prices um and we didn't expect that so i think that's the bit that's probably caught people off the back now the fact that the, the two have combined does make make it in, uh, make the situation you know more uh, increased for uh, repossessions however then you're going to get 
the banks and, of course, the government and local government in the background sort of saying, look, if we start repossessing these people, we've got to, we've got to house them. And we actually haven't got any housing at this moment in time. So it may be that you're going to have to, you know, grin and bear it. The courts have probably been told that they've got to, you know, take a view and give people the opportunity to get themselves, you know, back in some sort of line. So they don't particularly want you to be a homeless person by the sheer fact that, you know, they can repossess. So I think that's another reason why repossessions have probably been holding back. We went through this in, um, in some of the 70s and, and the 90s and now of course in the 2000s when 2007 2008 the bank you know the the, the financial crash crash happened but even then you will see that the banks were told not to repossess or not to do anything primarily because they would have a huge problem of having people that didn't have a home to actually go out there and start to to live on the streets so I think there is a hidden agenda in the background, but not a bad idea. And the reason why I think that there's been lesser uh, repossessions is because partly most people have been kind of prepared for it. Yeah, it's interesting to note that despite all of the regions falling, the property hotspot for repossessions is still the northwest of England, uh, accounting for 21% of all homes repossessed since the interest rate started to rise. So if you're one of those cash buyers looking for those opportunities, then the northwest is the place to take a trip to to see if you can pick up some bargains, which seems a little callous, but that's the way of the world. That's business, I suppose, yeah, yeah, isn't it, Joe? That's the business, that's the business world. That's the way it goes. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, looking at sorry, looking at our final story uh, today, we wanted to talk, focus about uh, first-time buyers and where they're getting their advice. And uh, this is interesting because it seems that uh, young first-time buyers are looking to TikTok as a search source of guidance, which is a new one on us, uh, followed by Instagram and Facebook as well. Um, so they're going into groups that are property groups and asking advice um, from each other. And they're also looking particularly for things like, you know, decorating hints and that kind of thing. Uh, and I thought that was an interesting topic to talk about because, I mean, one of the things, that, one of the dangers, I suppose, of, uh, of social media, particularly um uh, with things like financial advice is the fact that, of course it's completely unregulated and you know one man's uh, truth is not necessarily the real truth yes so it's interesting that the first time buyers are turning to social media uh, primarily because it's our fingertips or uh, that's where, where the problem comes so people think oh i've got a question let's google it i've got a question it came up on facebook but a question is something's come up on Instagram, someone's giving you an answer and so forth. So I think that's probably, the, it's, it's about the ease of, of saying, how do I get it? Are they getting the right advice? Are they getting the right guidance? That's That could be questionable because they could be asking the wrong person. Um, and the problem with the internet, it's got a lot of good things, but it's equally got a lot of bad things. And the bad things are that you don't know always who's behind the answers. There could be scammers, there could be people that are, just you know saying things because it makes people do something that they need to do so you know obviously uh, first-time buyers are always um, you know trying to look for the best guide as an agent we've always been open to um, anyone picking up the call and asking us to do that you should anyone that is looking to do that should always make sure that they're talking to somebody who's got knowledge and is established and has some sort of longevity and some history and, and maybe recommendation you know, that's a good way of looking at it. If somebody's bought or sold or, or done anything, they should always 
take advice and take guidance and, and maybe speak to them if that other person was comfortable with them. Um, and if not, then yes, then they do go to social media and they go to Google or they go to all these other pages where they feel that they can find the answer to their problem. Um, it's a generation thing in my mind. And as a generation, it's just, just easy to Google things and go on Facebook and so forth than it is to actually do the research and walk into the high street and you know, talk to an agent, sit by, sit by their desk and, and have a discussion. It's just time. And so time-wise, it's just easy to, easily done on a smartphone. 25% of 18 to 35-year-olds had uh, looked uh, to social media for advice during the initial process. And I suppose that could be, you know, asking for recommendations for people like financial advisors, perhaps, or uh, agents to talk to and that kind of thing. But it's interesting, as you say, we've become a Google nation, haven't we, where we just look it up online and uh, fact check everything if, you, if, if you're wise. Um, but I suppose at some point, during the process, of course, you know, if they're looking to make an offer on a property, they're going to have to get involved with professionals. I mean, you can't literally do your sale over social media. So at some point, they're going to have to come in and get the, the, the correct advice. I suppose that that's, that's the reassurance, isn't it? Yes. I mean, whether they go into somewhere or whether they actually make physical contact with someone that has got the experience and knowledge and been recommended, it's, that's their choice. But yes, the, the, the question is, and the subject is about social media and where they go for advice. And they go for advice and as a generation because that's what they know. They don't know anything different. And it's quite shocking that they, they don't. Um, and they don't listen to their parents because they think, well, you know, you, you're, you're in the archaic time where things are done differently nowadays. And, that, you know, on you go, Google that question and here's your answer and here's the person and here's the person that's going to do this and so forth. So. Yeah, I think I think it's just become easier. But all I would say to anybody that's listening or watching is, um, you know, beware, take a recommendation, speak to people that have been in the business long, you know, long enough, and um, you know, and we're here to advise you uh, if if that's what you needed to do. It's reassuring that the the major. Um terms that are most searched are things like general DIY hacks, gardening advice, how to reduce costs, how to maximise space. So that's probably post-purchase information that is top of the tree. But um, again, it's uh, it's uh, important that, that, that professionals in the industry, um, such as yourself, are uh, across those sectors putting bona fide advice out there too. Well, I mean, you know, from a personal point of view, having been in the in the, in the business and industry for as long as I have, we have had experience across the board from, you know, I, I say it from inception, i.e. the dream, the idea of buying or renting a home, right the way to actually moving in and helping you with removals and if necessary with, you know, recommended carpet, carpet people, tile, anything really, because it comes to our desk all the time. There's always someone somewhere that we know that has dealt with it. Some have had bad experience, some have good experience. Of course, we will share you the good experience ones because we don't want to share the bad ones. But the reality is that we do have access to all of those kind of people. And, uh, you know, an agency is not a bad place to actually pop into in the first place to get guidance and advice. But we are lazy to get up and get in a car and go to an agency. So you're going to do it all online. Well, you can now virtually, just like you and I are here virtually, customers can be virtually through um, you know, uh, what do they call it, um, Facebook and FaceTime and all that kind of stuff. You can, you can actually connect with people and have a, a direct conversation 
and um, and get some advice and guidance. And that tells you my age. You see, when I say Facebook and FaceTime <laughs> and all that kind of stuff, because because obviously I'm 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 a real person. I you know I prefer someone to sit across the desk and and talk to me about it instead of instead of um, being virtually. But you know, needs must and the times must, and that's what we do. I can see from your comments that you're right together on all of this social media stuff, Joe. <laughs> but I'm the, right there, the, mate. I'm on it. I'm on it. Yeah, I can I'm, see. I'm, I can I'm, see. I'm right the man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I think to wrap these stories all up, whether you're looking for advice on you know commercial property investment or whether you're in difficulty with arrears on a mortgage and you're looking to avoid repossession or, or looking at how you can organise and, um, uh, and, and plan for the future when things are tough, or even in the situation there where you're a first-time buyer, it, the importance of professional advice is really, really important. And I suppose the other point to make is that you've got to open up and communicate. You've got to reach out. They don't come to you, particularly things like repossession. You must talk to your lender and have a conversation and, and be social. Absolutely. Look, communication is the answer to the problem. It's as simple as that. You know, if you don't ask, you don't get, you've got to... You've got to, you know, raise that subject, and if in if in doubt, shout, and that's it. You know, so whether you do it on online or whether you go and knock on someone's door, you pick up the call, you know, everything is available. Uh, don't be shy in asking, um, and um, you know, we're there to help as much as we can. And if we can, please get in touch. And that's all we have time for this week on Property Matters. We'll see you same time next week.